Welcome everybody to Beat the Shift Baseball. This is episode 32 for Wednesday, June 6th. I'm Alex Uwe here today with Ray Estrada. How you doing, man? Good as always. It is late recording this. Nah, it's so fine. I mean, I am, it's it's a I mean, good time. It's a good time. There's plenty to talk about. I mean, what what's what's been what's been hot on your radar lately? Obviously, you're a big NHL guy, so yeah. yes, the Vegas Golden Knights are up against the ropes. Uh, Capitals are at three one, and the Dodgers are back to five hundred. All right, that's, that is also my on my radar. Are you an MLB draft guy? Because that's been going on the past couple days. Normally, but not this year. Um, I. I don't know. I didn't really, um, didn't really. I there wasn't much hype surrounding like a certain prospect or something like that, so I didn't quite get too into it. Um, I, mean, I, I am I have no into, idea who any of the people being drafted are. Too. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I I am into the NCAA baseball postseason, uh, which if any of you remember, I released videos previewing Super Regionals and the World Series. I'll be doing previews of some kind for both of those uh, again this year. So Super Regionals will be this weekend, and then next week will be the College World Series. Hopefully I can get videos up, but at the very least I'll write up some articles on those. So that's a, that is also on my radar. And finishing this school year is also on my radar. Ah, don't worry about that part. Um, yeah, I don't watch a lot of college baseball, but I did see uh, Cal State Fullerton walked off Stanford with a home run. And the kid who hit it, can I find his name? He is probably, probably the most. I think it's like Jace Peterson or something like that. Like the most impressive. No, I'm pretty sure that was like a former Braves second baseman. Um, Ah, Jace Chamberlain. I think his name's Jace. I knew his name. Jace Chamberlain. The only way to describe him is an absolute unit. Like he is huge, and it was. And he's a freshman. Probably yeah. Huge freshman, probably the most hilarious walk-off home run I've ever seen because after he hit it, he hit a towering home run. He just kind of, like, had a look of shock in his face after he hit it and then just, like, circling the bases, you know, obviously he's overjoyed. And then he gets to home plate and you throw the helmet and everything and dude's got the weirdest blonde mohawk haircut thing that you would have ever expected. It was just, it was incredibly fun. So I'll certainly be tuning into some college baseball for stuff like that but uh for the most part don't watch too much of it let's talk about major league baseball because that's our bread and butter and let's follow up on a conversation that we had i believe last podcast about the swim move revolution which is a term that you coined i'll give you credit where that is due but it is what it sounds like it is a base running revolution in baseball involving swim moves to avoid tags and nobody does it better than mike trout who probably among other accomplishments could be considered the pioneer in this in this area because he does it on the rig and he did it against the rangers last weekend cole hamels picked him off and he just went took off to go to second base and he's dead in the water executes a perfect swim move slide and overslides it and somehow manages to get his hand back in on the bag. One of the best just textbook executions of this slide ever. So I, I, I felt the need to bring this up again just just to reiterate, you know, how, how big of a thing this could be. And, you know, other players are, of course, doing this. You know, guys like Javier Baez, Cody Bellinger has done it. Um, it's one of the most 
fun plays in baseball, in my opinion. So I, I just wanted to uh, to check back in on that and wanted to to see if uh, you had anything more to add about the uh, potential for this to really take off in a you know mainstream media type of way with the MLB. I mean, you uh, you're kind of more on the pulse of swim moves that have worked. I've been watching a couple games. I think both college and and uh, MLB where this it's been a poorly executed swim move, and they need to those players or they just didn't swim move at all so swim move revolution is real it is the way of new base running i mean yeah well you you talk about poorly executed swim move slides i mean how do you execute it poorly either you know how to do it or you don't it doesn't seem like something that well i mean you go for unless you're confident in it the poorly executed swim move is a guy who just picks up his hand and doesn't actually swerve out of the way Okay, so I mean, this, just, this like, seems like the kind of uh, it seems like the kind of thing we need a an on field demo to uh, yeah. to really grasp. So not something we'll be we should doing do diamond now. demos. I mean, we could. It would be and not use that name because that is that is uh, for sure <laughs> trademarked. <laughs> yeah, so, um, we'll do something similar. I, I don't have a name off the top of my head, but um, yeah, man, it, it's it's probably the number one thing that I look out for whenever I'm watching games nowadays is like, that's, that's what I want to see in the highlights on any given day. It's just can another, we, another we, instance, can, another, another person jumping on this bandwagon. We should request MLB network, MLB network if they haven't done one already about swim moves, diamond demo and, and make sure Eric Burns is the guy sliding. I mean, we certainly could. I mean, that's like, that is something that needs to catch up. There's so very few things that you can do in today's game to really set yourself apart and this is one of them you know just everybody's so good now like how do you get a step how do you get a leg up how do you ensure that you're going to be sliding in safely to a base when catchers are throwing freaking 95 miles an hour um with you know sub two pop times like that's it's getting ridiculous so this is something that i keep an eye out for and i'm sorry if we are uh, drowning on too long with this but it was just something to follow up on the last podcast. We'll talk about lots of other things. We'll talk about the Mariners. We'll talk about the All-Star voting, which is now open. And we'll have a little talk about pitching, particularly some of the the greater feats like immaculate innings and no-hitters. Um, so, yeah, all that's to come. Uh, real quick, while we're on the topic of the Angels and Rangers, I wanted to ask if you saw the end of... A game, I believe it was Saturday. It could have been. It was one of the games in this most recent series, where the Rangers were mounting a comeback in the ninth inning, down a run, and they had runners on first and third. Sacrifice fly to left field by Adrian Beltre. Justin Upton throws into second base, and Jerkson Profar kind of doesn't realize that he has to, you know, turn it on to actually cross the plate before an out is made at second base. Which it was. The out was made at second base. The run was very close to being waved off, but after review, it was probably the closest timing between a tag and a runner scoring that I've ever seen. And, you know, it in in a way, it kind of had to do with the way that the runner slid in there. You know, it, the, the tag ended up being on the chest, and it was just a hair too late, and the Rangers ended up winning that game. 
So, you know, that's just something that we, we've seen before with, you know, runners lollygagging, not paying attention to what's going on. That was close to being a huge blunder by Jerkson Profar. So, you know, I, I, obviously not too much additional analysis to give on that, but did you, did you see that play at all, by the way? I didn't. I thought I thought you were going to refer to um, the Runeto door slide that cleared the benches at the end of one of the games. Well, as well. there you go. Also, like, what an eventful weekend in Anaheim for base running, right? This is a neglected yeah. aspect of our game, and we don't really talk about it, other than the cases of dirty slides, which is one of the cases from this weekend. Runeto door took out Andrelton Simmons with a not so questionably dirty slide he definitely stuck his spikes out of the baseline into his leg so not much to argue there routine or the old-fashioned within arms arms length arms reach of the base slide dirty's dirty i don't even care about the rule book when you're when you're sticking your spikes into players legs intentionally no i'm saying i i don't i think that's not a, a rule now i think you have to you have to slide straight in Right, yeah, the, the the rule has changed. It, it specifies that the runner is not supposed to deviate to go after fielders at all. You know, it it, it explicitly says that. So um, it ended up being turned anyway. No no harm, no foul. Um, you know, it, and that's just another one of those controversial things. You know, Anthony Rizzo had a similar slide earlier um, last week. So... The, the conversation is always going to be the same. I'm probably going to to err on the side of it being a dirty slide most of the time because there's just no need for that in at the professional level especially, you know. So let's go ahead and move on from base running. It was a good, good base running talk. Very much needed conversation about the state of today's base running. But we'll move on to one of the more surprising stories in all baseball, the Mariners. The Mariners are such a confusing team. Is that the best word that you would use to describe? That's the word I would use to describe them. Confusing. What, what if you had to describe them in one word? Uh, I think confusing is a good word. All right. Well, you, you just you just use my word. It's so unoriginal. But the Mariners are in first place in the AL West. They uh, on Sunday, I believe, moved into first place for the first time in their division since 2003 or it's the first time being in first place this late in the season so in june or later basically since 2003 and that's a long time for a team that hasn't made the playoffs since uh what year was the last time they made the playoffs 2001, 2001. so 17 years later you know it can happen they're in a good spot comparatively speaking to past years except for the fact that they have the Astros and Angels bearing down on them, and those are some pretty good teams. One of them has the best player in baseball. One of them has the uh, reigning MVP in the American League, So, and probably the best pitching staff that I've ever seen, you know, as, you know, one through five. So um, I do not think anybody expects the Mariners to actually walk away with the playoff spot this year but you know if it were to happen do you do you give them a legitimate shot i mean it is june now it's not super early um i i mean i think you give anybody a shot they make the playoffs they're doing it without cano now he's not going to be there in the playoffs 
because of his suspension. I think. No, I mean, yeah, you're you're right. They're sixteen and five since Cano's suspension. Yeah, that's yeah. I, I forgot we hadn't mentioned that yet, but I mean, I the Twins could have easily made a run. If you think about it, they could have won that Yankee game and gone on and did stuff. But it's, I mean, baseball is a great crapshoot. So I think the Mariners, and they're going to have to play well to get to the playoffs. They're not going to, the AL is going to be, um, need a lot of wins to get that second wild card spot. So I think Mariners make it, I, I, I give them a half a decent shot. What a sport it is when this team who is, actually expanding their lead as of right now they just beat the astros today uh behind a great james paxton performance the first place team is being talked about as going to have to play incredibly well to to basically scrape by with a second wild card spot that's how much confidence we have in a team like the astros obviously world series champions but I, you know, I don't even know what the Mariners are doing to warrant this success, other than just some incredibly clutch hitting, based on whatever like Fangraphs. Fangraphs has a metric which they call clutch, which I cannot even begin to explain how they calculate it. Um, but they are second in baseball, only the Yankees in that category, and you know the pitching, which is you know always considered to be just one of the most miserable things in baseball. It's actually fared decently well with James Paxton and Marco Gonzalez leading the way. Felix Hernandez just had a very surprising eight-inning, one-run outing as well. So there's some things to like there. And it's just amazing that this team seems like they keep losing pieces or there's, there's more and more things going wrong for them, and yet the wins just keep coming. So... We'll see what happens. I'm I'm certainly going to be watching more Mariners baseball than I anticipated earlier on. So, yeah, let's move on here. Let's talk about something that everybody agrees on every year, and that's the All-Star Game, because everybody agrees on fan voting and who should be making rosters and everything each and every year. But, you know, of course, this is the, what, second or third year now where they do not count for home field advantage which is much better if you ask me and they released the ballots about almost it was a whole month over a month later than they they released the ballots last year so they gave a little more time this year but i i think the most outrageous part of what they did this year was they left brandon nimmo who is the Mets utility outfielder, basically. He plays all over the place. He's been really good. He is third in the National League, based on Fangraph's war, uh, among outfielders. And he's not on the ballot. And this is not... There's, I don't even know what criteria they use. It's not opening day rosters. Brandon Nimmo was on the opening day roster for the Mets. I, I can't even begin to understand why that was the case, that he's not on the ballot. If you have to write them in in the meantime, I guess that's what you do. But hopefully they fix that problem as quickly as possible because it's, it's ridiculous. Um, but props to Brandon Nimmo. And who are, who are the three Mets outfielders that are on the ballot? I'm just curious. Uh, well, I would think they would be Cespedes, Conforto, Jay Bruce. Those are the three that 
pop into my mind makes... as the starters per se. But Brandon Nimmo's been playing yeah. a lot and playing really well. So you tell me. Um, yeah, like, have you ever seen anything like that where a player this good has not even been on the ballot, much much less just not getting the recognition he deserves? Um, I can't think of anything. I mean, I would say I don't have war leaderboards um, stuck in my mind, but I I can't think of any specific examples. But I've I remember looking at ballots, going, "Wait, why isn't this guy here?" Um, just okay. Well, I don't know. So no, That's, no, no specific help, examples. Yeah, no, no specific. But I've definitely had that thought before. Like, oh, he's there's a guy who should be an all star or might be an all star, and he's not on the ballot. Um, I honestly can't remember anything quite this obvious overlooked on a major league baseball ballot. Um, another interesting little thing to go over regarding people left off the ballot is the state of um, American League catchers, that is. So there are three catchers who are backup catchers on their respective teams who are all two through four in F4 among catchers in the American League behind Gary Sanchez, who is, you know, pretty, pretty, you know, far and away the best catcher in the American League and possibly baseball at this point. But, I mean, that can be contested too, but for this year, I think that's the case right now. But uh, Max Stassi, Austin Romine, who's the backup to Sanchez, and Luke Mail, I believe is how you pronounce his name, are all the, the second through fourth best catchers in baseball. All backup catchers. Don't know how that happened haven't really been paying too much attention to how well catchers have been playing. All I know is that's either really impressive on their parts, all at either 1 or 1.1 wins above replacement right now, or it just speaks to how atrocious other catchers in the league have been. I would say the latter. Um, do you Just looking at a stat like that, um, how, did, how does that make you feel about the state of catchers? Um, it, it's very curious to me because I think catcher is a unique position where backups play a lot more than, say, backups at other positions. I'd be curious to see if there's a similar trend, not necessarily two through four um, in the American League, but, like, backup catchers who have unusually high war um, just among catchers because they, they, they play more so than, like, other backups at other positions and can perhaps outperform at times, but... Um, there's a lot of factors that go into who is the everyday catcher more so than, than, than just being uh, the better hitter. Yeah, and you know, in in most of these cases, you can look at it and say, well, why aren't they the starting catcher if they're playing this well? Well, the Astros have a guy named Evan Gaddis who's also been pretty good as of late, and of course, Romine backing up Sanchez, and Russell Martin still really the starting catcher over in Toronto. So, you know, not too much flexibility there, not too much change likely to come for these, for these backup catchers. And um, one last thing we'll talk about the All-Star game has to do with J.D. Martinez making some comments about fan voting in general. He is against it. He does not agree with it. Um, I can see where he's coming from, considering 
he is on the ballot as a DH, and he has to compete against the likes of Shohei Otani and Giancarlo Stanton. So his likelihood of getting voted in is probably less than both of those players, even though JD has definitely had the best season of those three of them. So, you know, he, he proposes that players should be the ones voting. And I don't know, like, do you agree with that? Because, you know, the fans obviously want to see the best All-Star game possible. They also want to see the players that they, they vote in there. And, you know, maybe you don't always trust the, uh, the, the players to, to vote in the people that you want to see. How do you feel about that? I, I, I don't agree with it at all because because part of the build up to an All Star game is is uh, is voting updates, so you can kind of see how close guys are, uh, what guys are being voted in right now, and and I mean he's going to be in the All Star game whether he's whether he's voted in as, as a starter by the fans or not he's going to be chosen as a reserve if he I mean he's going to keep up this pace to, of some kind. I it's not like he's in danger of missing the game entirely. Um, I I really I don't get the frustrations as much as you do. I think he is a little bit overreacting to him losing out to players who are really really good, not quite as good as he has been this year. But I I don't I don't know I don't think it would go over well with fans. You just take them out of it because well, in the NBA I think they. In the NBA, I think they do half fans, half writers, and even that gets messy sometimes. And it's it's a, uh, I, I, I'm not a fan of just letting it go to the players. Well, yeah, and I do, I do agree that it is a popularity contest. That is what it is. You know, people are not going to be impartial voters for an event like the All Star Game. They want to see players from their home teams, players who they enjoy the most. Uh, on the field and that doesn't necessarily mean it's the best players out there and more times than not you know it it happens to be the case i, I just that's just the reality of it i not forgotten about the the royals fiasco from a couple years ago uh that always leaves a uh a sour taste in my mouth but i will say that you know i'm not against players voting for for other all-stars because I, I do think that is a good perspective to have they're the ones that watch each other play throughout the season you know I, I think you'll get pretty good results but also you can't just take the fans out of the equation altogether like they're the fans it's the games for them everything is for them for us we're fans so yeah I mean and plus now it is a pure exhibition now there's no nothing right on the game right have I I assume there's a player's choice awards I I mean that's kind of essentially what he's suggesting on a more of a on a different type of spectrum. But like, what? Why? Do, why are you trying to disengage the fans from something that is entirely there just for fan entertainment? Yeah. There's no purpose for the game now except for let's get all the best players together and let's just play some baseball. And the fans got these players there; they lobbied for these players and. Let's have some fun. Yeah, and I don't I actually don't know entirely how the the rest of the the rosters get filled out. There is I don't know if player voting is a portion of that at this time. If it's not, it should be because I do think it is a valid form of voting for at least part of it. I know there's manager selections and um, some other criteria, other selection methods in there. 
But the one the one final little proposition that I'll throw out there is maybe you do have the fan voting, so you have you know a player at each position that the fans vote in, but they don't necessarily have to be the starters. How would that sound? Like you vote in these players to the All Star team, and the managers just make the rosters on their own. Um, I I don't I don't know I don't know how well they they had to go over with other fans because they want to see they don't want to see the guy they voted for come in in the seventh for a one up at they want to see him start out on the field and and I don't know I all right well I, I mean I don't I don't know how that makes it that much better yeah it. I mean, it, just the fact that the fans aren't involved in voting in the players that they, they want. You know, their voices are heard. But, you know, it doesn't necessarily end up like a case in 2016 where you're watching the Kansas City Royals take the field against the National League All-Stars. So that's one way to combat that. I don't know. It's just an idea. Um, we'll move on from All-Star game voting, though. Remember to write in Brandon Nimmo on your ballots, people. That's... That's the the only takeaway, if if nothing else, that you should have gotten from that. Um, let's talk pitching very briefly before we wrap things up here. So Max Scherzer tonight makes makes huge waves every time he takes the mound, but tonight he threw his second career immaculate inning, which is three strikeouts on nine pitches in an inning. Uh, obviously really good. That's the least number of strikes you can do that in if you're not very good at math. And he did it last year in May, so about a year removed, a year and a month removed from his last immaculate inning. And it's it's just amazing. We don't have to talk about how amazing Max Scherzer is, but just to give it a little more context, it is only the 91st immaculate inning ever thrown in Major League Baseball, um, and you can compare that to 299 no hitters in MLB history, so significant amount less than that. They're much more rare, and the he Max Scherzer, as I mentioned, has thrown multiple immaculate innings. The only other pitchers to accomplish this feat are Lefty Grove, Sandy Koufax, Nolan Ryan, Randy Johnson. Uh, can you say elite company? Because there's no other way to describe that. Elite company. Thank you. That is what you're here for. Um, and um, there there has to be something. You know, obviously we know uh, why it's happening, why there's been more immaculate innings in recent years than there ever has been. It's because players just don't care about striking out. It's the fact of the matter. Like, players can say whatever they want about taking pride in not striking out. Don't believe it because they don't. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter nearly as much as it did in the past because we have analytics that show that it really doesn't matter. But there were eight immaculate innings thrown in 2017. This is the second one of 2018, Scherzer's is. And just think of like eight out of 91 immaculate innings in MLB history were thrown last year. And since 2010, there have been multiple every year. There was another year, I think there were six in like 2014, which is also ridiculous. Um, so it really isn't a rare feat anymore. You can't you can't say that. I know it's really fun to say throughout MLB history, it is a more rare occurrence than a no-hitter, but probably not the case anymore. I don't think that's safe to say. So 
I, just personal preference, which do you get more hyped over, Immaculate Innings or No Hitters? Uh, No Hitters because that is nine innings of of not allowing a hit. and That is what it is, making, yes. <laughs> yeah, nine, nine, it's, it's nine, nine full innings, um, like I said. And or more. It can't be more. It can't be more. Sometimes uh, you lose the perfect game on an error, so it's really the pitcher made – basically zero mistakes in the game uh, so so that's more impressive to me than that, that gets me more excited than an immaculate inning as impressive as an immaculate inning is coming from somebody obviously not in MLB and just high school but throwing one it's very weird when it happens you're like you kind of walk off the field you're like oh I just threw nine strikes in a row and everybody struck out it's I mean it's 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 cool and it's impressive but like you said it's becoming more common now because we're in the kind of the age of strikeouts um, but to still to throw nine strikes in a row and have nobody put those balls in play, and then I and then like I said before we before we started recording, I couldn't find an instance where somebody had an extra strike because I fouled fouled a two strike pitch off through ten strikes in an inning, three strike or in three strikeouts. But um, you know, no hitter just because of it. It requires focus across an entire game rather than one inning where you just pound strikes and nobody can hit you all right well l- let me rephrase the question then oh congrats on the immaculate inning by the way that that deserves a little bit of praise right there. thank you i think it was i don't remember how good the team was let me pose a different question now what is more impressive to you an immaculate inning or a no hit bid through six plus innings that's that's interesting i still go with no hit bid because immaculate inning um like I said, it's one inning, nine pitches, and kind of nine pitches come together to carry a no hitter. I know it's, ha- I know where you're transitioning. Twenty six no hit bids through six plus in 2018. There's been three completed. Um, to that's just a, that's an astonishing number of no hit bids going six plus. But those that's twenty twenty six brilliant starts. <laughs> Even though only three are completed, mm-hmm. I, I I still I still stick with the uh, the longer no hitter bid. Yeah, well, you know, three out of twenty six, not awful, not an awful percentage, but twenty six no hit bids through six innings or more already this year it is early June, and there are twenty five all of last year, and only one no hitter, so. And, and, you know, this is not necessarily the era of pitching either. But this is pretty pretty unbelievable, right? You know, like, this is something that, you know, we kind of we kind of look at. You, you see the no-hit bid alerts on your, on your phone or whatever, and you say, man, it seems like somebody's doing this every single day. Well, it's more or less accurate that <laughs> this is just happening constantly, it seems. And, um... I didn't actually I didn't actually check this. Andrew Heaney today threw a complete game one hitter uh, in a shutout, and I actually did not check to see what inning that hit was allowed in. So I, I did not get. I do not recall getting no hitter alert update today. on that one. Well, if if that was the case, then that would have been number twenty seven. Not a huge difference, but the point remains that this is. This is different. This is something that I don't really know how to address. And I do remember, you know, they're not all amazing performances either, because sometimes they'll get 
through that sixth inning. Some t- uh, there was a few for sure, back-to-back days, in fact, where pitchers did it with walking five batters, and they were pulled in the seventh inning, both of them. So um, that is, you know, not necessarily a phenomenal outing, but you know, it's it it it's a stat. It's just another another thing to contribute there. Um, and hitters have really been hitting poorly this year. Hitters are hitting, I believe, somewhere in the range of like 244, last I checked, which was pretty recently. And, you know, the MLB average has never, has not been below 250, has not even been close to that. Really, I mean, it's been close, but has not gotten close to going below 250 since, I don't even know since when. Not, not in this millennia so um i don't know what's going on i don't know if the hitters are going to adjust to this but we, we shall see andrew heaney by the way not on that list of no hit bids through six actually i think he is but not with his start today that we that wasn't questioned so i do think he did it earlier this year though it's possible and we're still waiting on no hitter number 300 the next one will be a grand occasion and i always like mentioning that there have been no hitters major league no hitters thrown in three countries this year already that's probably one of the most fun facts that i can throw out about the season and it's june we we still have lots of time to add on more facts um one more thing that i'll mention while we're on this pitching groove right now is jake arietta made some comments about uh his team shifting behind him he's not thrilled about it um and that's pretty much the extent of the comments. I don't have to get too far into it, but what was your reaction to that? Because Jake Arrieta has been okay this season, but not great. And Jake Arrieta is not what he used to be. Does he have the right to complain about his team shifting? Well, I did see a very good video um, from MLB Network. It was Brian Kenny, Ken Rosenthal, Dave Allen, and Jim Duquette discussing, does Arrieta have a right? And he, the stats do support him. The Phillies are the third hot, third uh, highest frequency shifting team in baseball. They're negative ten defensive runs saved on the shift. So that's um, that's not good. No, <laughs> compared compared to the Astros who shift the most, that are fifteen plus plus fifteen defensive runs saved. The Phillies just aren't a good um, defensive team in general. Uh, their overall defensive runs saved are are in the negative. So I don't know. The question is, is it the shift that is hurting them, or is it just they're just not good defenders? But um, Arietta has a has a right to be frustrated. It was a bad series for them. They got they scored one run on the weekend against the Giants, and that one run was an Arietta home run on Sunday. So um, yeah, they they uh, they didn't have anybody sitting didn't... up in right field. That was the problem. <laughs> but um, yeah, so so Arietta. Uh, Frustrated about the shift, stat, stats seem to support him, but um, perhaps the Phillies are just not good defensively in general. Yeah, I would I would tell Jake Arrieta to, to chill out, strike out some more guys if you really want to do something about it. And um, you know, I, I guess the Phillies computer dude's got some work to do on uh, putting guys in the right spot. Uh, if you know what that reference is to, then congrats to you. 
But with that, we are going to wrap up the podcast for today. I'd like to remind you that if you enjoyed, to rate, comment, and subscribe to our podcast. We really appreciate it. We want to hear what you have to say. Uh, you can check out our podcast and any other content that we have at BeatTheShiftBaseball.com. One-stop shop for everything, so check us out there. And get in touch with us on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at BeatTheShiftBP, if you're so inclined. So, that is going to do it for today. Thanks, everybody, one last time. As always, Ray. Peace. Peace.